everybody, it's the Sens Nation podcast brought to you by Jim K. Ford. Today we're going to talk about the losing streak hitting five. At least they didn't give up five. We'll talk about that 3-2 loss in Boston. As if the Sens didn't have enough to worry about, they've hit another COVID outbreak. Six players now and a coach into COVID protocol. So that means Eric Branster made his season debut in Boston. Igor Sokolov made his NHL debut. Zach Sanford debuted on the top line. And Drake Batherson dropped down to the second line, hopefully to get Tim Stutzla out of his goal-scoring slump. That's all still ahead today on the Sens Nation podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Jim K. Ford. Jim K. Ford is the home of the all-new Ford Maverick, designed to seize the day this beautiful truck is built Ford Tough and gives you the best of both worlds. Compact on the outside, but still big enough on the inside to seat five and store all your stuff as well. Not to mention the cool 8-inch touchscreen on your dash to help you get your work done. Learn more and pre-order the all-new Ford Maverick today at jimkford.com. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with former TSN radio host Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. All right, welcome to the Sens Nation podcast, the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. And let me ask you this right out of the gate as we get ready to talk about the latest on the Sens, everything going on right now. It's Steve Warren along with Greg Kennedy. Let me ask you this, Greg. Is it too early <laughs> for Christmas carols? I think the answer is yes. But if the Christmas carol is also an Ottawa Senators parody song. Well, I was in the dollar store before Halloween and they were doing the Christmas aisle. So I think you're okay. It's never too early for Christmas. Isn't that nice? (laughs) I haven't heard this, folks. I'm a first-time listener. Call me Stevie Buble. (laughs) Huh? Okay. It's beginning to look a lot like last year. It's beginning to look a lot like last year Everywhere you look There's a mess on the Sens back end Coughing up pucks again With open lanes and don't know where to go It's beginning to look a lot like last year Soon the sands will shine But the prettiest sight to see Is the hockey that will be When the rebuild's done Oh, that gets you right in the Christmas spirit, right? (laughs) I thought you were going to throw in in like Shane Wright is on the horizon in there. Yeah, well, I kind of I, 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 I said to myself, I'm getting a little bored with the uh, the slow pace of this song. But uh, anyway, we're into the holiday season, and yeah. certainly this it seems like uh, it's it's beginning to look a lot like last year. Another loss since we last got together. Um, obviously, it was. I think I think we can agree a pretty spirited performance in Boston, particularly given the circumstances. Morale is probably not real high, and then you have the COVID effect with five players and a coach out of the lineup and in protocol, new bodies in there, line shuffling. So, I mean, a 3-2 loss in Boston, there's no shame in that. It, unfortunately, though, it's just another loss at the end of the day. 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I predicted earlier in the day, I thought either they're going to eke one out because they're going to all band together and and, and get lucky and, and win a game, or they're going to get absolutely hammered. I never would have thought they'd lose a one-goal game. You know, you you had a you know, Boston Bruins team coming off a loss in Toronto. Their PK was horrible, and uh, they come into Ottawa. And uh, all season long, the Bruins have had brutal second periods, and they come in here and they really had a bad first period. And the Senators just couldn't take advantage of that, and that that's what and the power play couldn't take advantage of that either. I, they at at one nothing, they had four opportunities on the power play, including I wrote this down, Stevie. Look here, they had a minute thirty nine stretch that was four on three, then five on three, then five on four, all well up one nothing, and they just yeah. couldn't find it. And that uh, by the time the first period was over. Bruins got back to their usual physical stuff and and just kind of wear them down and wear them down and wear them down and and the, you know the game was over. In the five on three, it looked like they'd never practiced it before. Yeah. To be honest, they oh. took a timeout to get ready for it and prepare, and it looked like that may have been the first time they discussed five on threes or something. Because they and it, it's interesting because the first you know I'd say the first six games the power play was excellent and all of a sudden it doesn't seem to have any kind of game plan or. Or uh, flow to it is just a lot of perimeter passing, particularly on that five on three. Oh, I know Josh gosh. Norris bobbled it and lost the zone, but there was a good amount of time in there where they had the five on three, and all they did was really slow perimeter passing. So yeah, they got to get they got to get back to the drawing board on the old power play. This was the winning goal, by the way, and uh, it happened on a, a unique situation. It was a four on four. And we'll get into the unique part of it, but this was the game winning goal. It's back glass. Stick for stick. <laughs> one busted in each direction. Bergeron scores on the hockey gods' bounce. 3-2 Boston. The hockey gods' bounce is right. It basically is a four-on-four situation. And somehow the puck goes off a broken stick that's lying on the ice off of Marchand's knee. And he tucks it home for the game-winning goal. I didn't think it was a very strong goal. I think Matt Murray, I think Matt Murray could have challenged a little more there. He's pretty deep in his net. But uh, what did you think of the game winner there? Yeah, it, it, well, there was one earlier. Didn't uh, Marshall scored a goal off his gut? And then you have this one that bounces yeah. off a stick. And yeah. and I looked at it too, Stephen. I had to I had to slow it down and look at it again and again. And because, but then when I looked at it, finally, I decided uh, Murray moving to his left was all sort of after the goal went in. It, it, at first glance, it looked like what the hell is he doing? He was like he was jumping to his left while the puck was going in over to his right. But it was sort of I, I think he was trying to get his body to move so he could get his arm up to try to make the save for where the hole where it was going on his left side on the short side. Just but we can't you can't fault Matt Murray last night. Like a, a solid game. He, he he did play well. He he played well enough for them to win. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they they couldn't score too many problems up front, and a lack of lack of depth. My God, again, 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 a lack of depth. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you're right about uh, Matt Murray. I think uh, that one save he made. Well, he and Thomas Shabbat kind of co-authored the save, but uh, Pasternak is in close with an empty net, and both Murray and and Shabbat basically get a stick on it. And uh, well, I'd say that the NHL.com appears to have begun a new department called the dad jokes department. Cause soon after that save, I got a note from NHL.com Ottawa goalie, Matt Murray does not like gluten because he just denied pasta. 
with the save of the year candidate. I'm like, really? Sorry, it's coming I from NHL.com. <laughs> My goodness, that's not great. <laughs> anyway, something happened though, and I'm I'm always interested to talk coaching with you because there's always these neat innovations that come along, whether they're good or bad. But it's certainly not old school. There's, for example, new school when there's an empty net, mm-hmm. you 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 shoot at it. It doesn't matter if there's an icing situation. Like when I was a kid, I would get buried by my coach <laughs> if I took a shot at an empty net at the, in the final moments of a game and I missed the net and it's icing back the other way. I mean, even as early as that Canada-Russia World Junior Final, everybody in Canada was burying the Russian kid because he took a shot at the empty net and it ended up going back the other way. But now it's accepted, completely accepted practice that you take that shot, even if you risk icing. You, you just do it. The numbers say that's the thing to do. Now here's another one. Josh Norris in the four-on-four, breaks his stick. And it's the long change, so he's got to go to the far side bench, and he leaves the four-on-four D-zone coverage, sprints to the far side, and by the time he's back, the Sens are hooped. Marchand gets the goal you just heard, and that ends up, well, that goal ends up being the difference in the hockey game. Are you a fan of this sort of newer way of handling that? Because back in the day, four-on-four, even if you broke your stick, you don't want to t- get your team shorthanded and you you don't have a stick, obviously, but you're still out there taking away shooting and passing lanes. That one threw me for a loop. I, I get it in, in other instances where I've seen it. Um, I get it when it's the short change, when your bench is literally right there at the blue line. Uh, I understand it if it's not the centerman. I can even understand it when it's if it's uh, if it's not a defenseman, right? But even with a defenseman, I can hand him a stick as a winger and run off and get one. But yeah. in a four-on-four situation and a long chain second period, it made no sense to me. I was I was baffled as as you were. I saw your tweet and I'm like, what the hell was he thinking? Yeah. I, I, and there's there was no comment from the coaching staff. I don't think there was a question asked in the post game. But I'd be interested in knowing was that Josh Norris's decision. Or is that a team sort of staple that this is what we do? And I, 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 we don't know the answer to that. When I put it out there on social media, because it was a new one on me, I, I got a lot of feedback from people who were saying, yeah, the Sens have done that before. It's clearly coached and they've seen it with other teams around the league. So I don't know, maybe that's uh, the new trend, but well, I can't say that uh, I've embraced it yet, but I'm sure somebody's done the, the homework on it, the research well, to say that you're better off to, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but... Maybe the idea is the research shows that you're better off to go get a stick and be shorthanded for the five seconds that takes uh, than uh, than staying out there without a stick. Well, I, I agree. I've seen it happen, and I've seen the Sens do it. I'd be interested in knowing how often they've done it in yeah. a four-on-four in the second period. That's the, the difference here between other scenarios. So I, I'd be interested in seeing that the numbers on that. And I don't know that you have to find some nerdlinger out there who's done it and wants to look at all the video and figure it out. Yeah. The Bruins actually had a broken stick about five seconds after Norris broke his, but it was more the Norris absence that allowed that seam pass to come through. And uh, well, basically Marsham was all wide open in front of the net. Anyway, uh, DJ Smith was not unhappy about the performance. Mm -hmm. He thought the gang worked hard. We played as hard as we could play. Um, I mean, we'll have to look at the tape. I believe we outchanced them probably with grade A chances. We had all kinds of looks in the third. Um, you know, uh, it, it's unfortunate we don't get a point or better, but that that's as hard as we've played away from the puck, desperate and for each other. Um, proud of the group, you know, with, with 
the guys that were out and, and the effort that we gave. Um, if we keep playing with that effort and that hunger, not only will wins come, but just the, the morale in general uh, will be better. Boy, silver linings, they sure, they're hard to come by when you just lost four straight, giving up five goals a game. You can say they worked hard. They didn't give up five goals a game. They look a lot more stable in the D zone coverage, but it all rings kind of hollow when you're in the midst of such a long slump. And, and as we speak right now, as we talked about off the air, this team right now, the Ottawa Senators, a team, by the way, I, I still will predict it's going to make the playoffs. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to stick with that till the 20 game mark, and then I might have a revision for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but right now, they are the only team uh, in the NHL that's better than Arizona. They they basically uh, are only better than Arizona points wise at this stage of the game. That includes the Montreal Canadiens. That includes the scandal-plagued, brutal Chicago Blackhawks who fired their head coach earlier this season. So it's it's hard to find silver linings in these situations. Well, it comes down to this, Steve. It's, it's much, much easier for a fan base, for anyone, it's much easier to be frustrated than it is to be patient. And these people are frustrated. The yeah. frustration comes from what, however you want to, whatever leads to the frustration. The bottom line is they don't play well. They, 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 sorry, they do not succeed on the ice. And that just compounds the frustration. Now, we can sit here and say, yeah, okay, they, had a, they're, they're, they got a serious lack of depth. We know this. But they told us we're getting a number you know, one or two center. They didn't. They told us we're getting a top 4D. They didn't. They're sitting around waiting on a 20-year-old who's played maybe 12 NHL games to be the savior, to help them defensively. Uh, who would have ever thought that the loss of Colin White would actually be this serious? Uh, they, they have a lack of depth. That leads to the frustration. And hey, it, like I say, it's easier to be frustrated than it is to be patient. You need to give us a reason to maintain that patience and the reasons you gave us and the 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 cherry at the end, the 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 pot at the end of the rainbow you, of the of the of one or two center and a top four D. You didn't deliver on that, so that just compounds our frustration. It compounds your lack of depth and compounds the frustration. Yeah, it's tough. The frustration in that game last night for me just came from the fact there wasn't anything at the end. And as with the nine losses, I think nine in total with the overtime loss in there as well. So eight regulation losses, one overtime loss. Um, I mean, that, that, that what compounded is the, the lack of stats in that. With only one overtime loss, you only have one loser point out of those nine losses, whereas other teams are, you know, pulling, you know, four and five points out of losses like that. So that it's a double whammy. But give me that entertainment level every night. That was a, that had it all. It like, for a game in early November, it's a divisional game against a team you recently played in the playoffs back in 2017. There's a bit of, a little bit of something, something there. They got angry at each other. There was lots of, you know, there was a, we had a fight with Alex Formanton of all people. Um, we had a big hit by Josh Brown who thundered a guy. They were angry at each other all night and it was a good close hockey game. So entertainment wise, give me that all winter long. Uh, uh, I agree, but again, that it, the loss at the end is what feeds that frustration, and and no, is no you know there's there's a time when when those close games can help your patience level, but at a certain point in every single person that patience wears out and the frustration takes over. Right now, it's probably 
I don't know, 65% of the fan base is well into the frustration side and well over the patient side. And with each one of these, as close as it may be, with each one that happens, more and more and more people are going to cross that line from I'm willing to be patient to, okay, I'm completely effing frustrated now. Mm-hmm. Did you think that um, the DOPS, Department of Player Safety, might have a look at Formanton's cross-check to the face on on Clifton right before they got in a fight? I didn't think it was like Ridley Gregg in the preseason, if you recall. He got a suspension for kind of that proactive cross-check to kind of pr- protect himself. This one probably wasn't as bad as that one, but I was wondering if you thought it, it would rise to the level of fine or suspension. I don't think so. Uh, and and as they say, they took care of it on the ice, right? I mean, Clifton ended up challenging to a fight, and uh, I, I can't see it. Was there a story about that? Was there something coming from it? I, I don't think anything will come of that. You think so? I just think for I just think in general, cross checks to the face would generally yeah. get looked at. But um, no, no, there was lots of pushback. There was lots of people when I put it on social media. I wonder if Dops has a look at this, and lots of people were saying, "Look at what." Yeah. <laughs> so people uh, <laughs> people look at things differently. No, and certainly the last thing this club needs is another guy out of the lineup with uh, them being shorthanded as they are, as if they didn't have enough to worry about. They've been hit by another COVID outbreak. Mm-hmm. Remember March of 2020 when COVID hit. They had just gotten back from L.A. and they come home with half a dozen guys dealing with COVID. And that was the start of everything. And the season then shut down for several months. Now, as they get ready for L.A. tomorrow, as we record this, now COVID hits again. Five players and a coach into COVID protocol. And the biggest name there would probably be Connor Brown in terms of the biggest miss. But the number of guys out of the lineup is uh, as meant shuffling, guys being called up. Eric Branstrom makes his season debut in the game against Boston. Igor Sokolov makes his NHL debut, did the hot lap at the start. That was really nice to see. And Zach Sanford debuted on the top line. Let's begin with Sokolov. Again, makes his NHL debut. You got to feel great for a kid like that. He's such a quality kid. He didn't get drafted in his draft year, but stayed after it, stayed after it, and realized his dream last night. It was pretty cool, I thought. Yeah, he's the kind of guy you want to cheer for, right? There's there there are butts there, there are warts to his game. There's a speed problem. There's 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 uh there's an agility skating problem that that you know is he a tweener? Is he an A guy? Is he an NHL guy? We'll we'll find out. But but on the on the one view one night, it's a nice story, and I feel good for the kid. And I wonder if maybe they can find a way to squeeze him into some power play minutes. Um, I know through two, he'd only played about five minutes, so he, he didn't exactly get tons of ice. But uh, at, at home with last change on Thursday night, we'll see how how DJ really feels about him and, and at what type of player he sees the kid as being, what potential he sees in him, and will we'll come through and what kind of minutes he gets and who he plays with. Yeah, I believe he did get a little power play time, just that standard kind of go to the front of the net and yeah. uh, try and cram stuff in. He was noticeable for a guy that... You know, started the evening body. as a fourth liner, big body, yeah, for sure. And it's uh, unfortunately, I think, until that skating improves, I think we're going to have the same kind of thought process about him with the same organization. The reason Logan Brown never made the jump to the NHL, not here, not in St. Louis, and I don't think anywhere because of that skating. You got to be able to skate in today's game. It's uh, it's not 1974 any longer. Yeah, and uh, well, if we're going to talk about skating, how about the little guy skating on the blue line? He he didn't look that bad. I didn't 
I'm, I'm not happy with the fact that he played mostly with Zub, a Brandstrom we're talking about, but he didn't look that bad. You know, he and Zub would be a nice three, four, but it wrecks your one, two, which is supposed yeah. to be Shabbat and Zub, you know, Holden and Mete come back. Are they your five, six? Can you afford to have both Mete and Brandstrom in the lineup? You know, Brandstrom didn't look terrible. Didn't look great. Didn't look terrible. You know, he, he, he can make a pass. He can get out of his own zone. Uh, with when he's got control of the puck, he can make a play. And that's what's missing in a lot of the lower tier D on this team. So if you're willing to live with him being undersized in front of the net and down low in corners, and then it's okay. If you're willing to live with both he and Mete in the lineup, then we'll see what happens. But I, I think we all agree Mete-Holden seems to be the right pair for 5-6. They're dealing with COVID though, so they're not really exactly. handy at the moment. Now it's an opportunity. Out. Josh yeah. Brown went out today, right? So oh, I wonder how Trent Frederick feels. He got awfully close to Josh Brown last night, who's walking around with COVID. So you, you well, lost another D. So now what? Help me understand. Like, well, how does, because that, that, that's what the last two days have been about leading up to our recording here, that before you go to Boston, get everybody tested, get the results. Like how many, how many other guys played last night that had COVID? Like why, why are the, why do the results trickle in like this? Why is Josh Brown allowed to be on the ice last night? Um, that's interesting. I, I, I had not heard that. So I jumped on with you with, without knowing that. And, uh, that's, that's crazy. So that's six guys now, six players yeah. on this team and, and maybe Josh Brown's best game. Uh, you know, sure. cause if you're going to be, you know, if you're in the lineup for your size, you better do that. We've talked about that with evaluations, do the things you're good at in evaluations. And that applies to when you, you know, you, you make the top level. You're in the NHL because you have the potential to be a physical def- defenseman. You're not out there for your puck skill. Um, you're out there because this is a, a smallish defense to start with that does not throw their body around. So Josh Brown needs to be out there to set a tone that the others cannot. Yeah. And, and now you've lost him too. Like yeah. really the only guy who is uh, close to 100% physical, mean ass guy. Right. Like all the rest of them, they can be physical or they have to be, but they aren't. He's the only one who who you would say that's the type he is. And now you've lost him and you you only had six healthy to play the game. Am I right? Like I'm not I'm not missing anybody because Delzado was in the lineup. Zub and Zeitz, Zeitz have scored a goal for crying out loud. Shabbat, Mete's out. Brandstrom's in. Holden's out. Like you only got five now. So my my man Apricot's coming in. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe one of the maybe one of the other kids. Maybe they look at Bernard Docker. Who knows? But uh, yeah, they're they're going to need reinforcements. There's no doubt about that. The Jim K. Ford Sends Nation Podcast. Now, one of the other changes that had to occur was uh, Zach Sanford getting an opportunity on the top line. That didn't have to occur. But with the pieces moving around with Connor Brown out, so Nick Paul is without his wingman. And so at that stage of the game, they decided to go with Nick Paul between Tim Stutzla and Drake Batherson. First time all year that the Drake has not been on that top line and Zach Sanford gets a shot on the top line. Zach Sanford, I think, is a bottom six guy. Has looked very good over the last couple of weeks. Like really like invisible in the first half of the 12 games so far. And then the last five or six I thought he's looked very good, but now he's on the top line. I thought mm, that that might be a bit of a reach. And then who, who opens the scoring for the Ottawa Senators? Tucking home a nice pass from Brady Kachuk. You or I could have scored that goal, 
But what do you think of Zach Sanford on the top line? Well, this this is a guy though, Steve, who who won, he would have had a twenty goal season in the first COVID year, mm-hmm. right? He had I think he got to eighteen. He's a guy who he played with uh, with Ryan Riley, and I I'm blanking on who the other winger was, but he has played top line before, so it's it's not foreign to him. You drop the Drake down, you give yourself a, a top six that can compete and is a little more consistent between lines one and two. It's not a bad move. Uh, if Sanford can continue to play. So Batherson moves down. I wonder how he thinks about the whole thing. It's not like he went down to the fourth line as, you know, that happened early on in his career. You know, one night he'd be with Duchesne and then he'd be fired down to the fourth line and then he'd be in the minors. He moves down and gets to play with Stutzla and Paul. And oh, oh he had the game on his stick. Hmm. 3-2. Yeah, Nick Paul just absolutely outmuscles everybody on the boards, gets the puck. To Batherson in the middle, beautiful shot over the shoulder of Skinner and ding off the crossbar, like you said. So the question becomes, can the Drake get Jimmy out of his nightmare slump with zero goals in 12 games? Well, it's nice in a sense that it gives it gives Stutzla a finisher. All right. It gives him somebody with a little more puck skill, a little more hands. So yeah, and they already have some chemistry. We've seen it on the power play. I, I, the biggest thing to me is it just it gives you two lines that that can be offensive, right? Like you don't really lose a lot. Uh, you, you put somebody out with Kachuk who can play with Norris, then you're okay there. And then you you move Batherson with Stutzla. We get you get Stutzla going and get him to score a little bit once in a while. You, you're getting somewhere. Drake Batherson agreed with DJ Smith on the work ethic in the game in Boston last night. Yeah, no, exactly. I thought uh, we played a pretty solid hockey game overall, and uh, you know that's what DJ was wanting from us—just to play a full 60 minutes, defend well, and you know, obviously uh, we lost, but I think we did a you know a good job overall and something to build off, especially with uh, guys missing. And, you know, obviously we want to win, but you know, hopefully, uh, you know, with this home stretch coming up here, we can get a few wins. Did you use that adversity, all the stuff that you faced over the last couple of days here, as sort of a rallying cry? Yeah, it's tough times for sure around here. Obviously, we got a lot of guys out with COVID going around. It's stressful for, uh, you know, the guys' families and stuff. But, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we can clean it up and just continue to, you know, play play well. And with the guys we have, you know, it's uh, it's given other guys chances to play in different roles. So, you know, I think it's good too. What do you think his response is? You know, there's a guy that probably loves playing with Norris and Kachuk and he gets taken off that line. That can't be his first choice. Yeah, but he he doesn't approach it as I'm being demoted from the first line. He he approaches it as I'm being tasked now with with bringing my skill and making two other guys a better line. Right? That's that's the way to approach it. And I don't know too many guys to be upset that they have to play with Tim Stutzla. Right? Like that that wouldn't be a too much of a hardship. But that's that's the approach. I'm I'm being put here because I'm a driver and I'm going to help this line be better. Not I'm I'm here because I can't perform up there. So uh, he, he's got the right attitude. He'll be fine. You talked about COVID there and uh, cleaning it up, uh, you know, and and moving forward. And it's just like, okay, the Josh Brown thing happens. That was after the game last night. You heard Batherson talking in Boston, and since then, Josh Brown is now on COVID. And you wonder, like, is we're but we'll talk about LA here in a moment. But you you start to wonder, okay, how many more are going to come rolling in between now and uh, the game against the Kings? So, yeah, it's a tough deal for sure. Um, you mentioned Nikita Zaitsev. I felt good for him to get that goal. Um, I mean, I think that uh, I think sometimes the criticism just goes way over here. Like for sure, he has struggled early in the season, 
He has not been, I mean, he's barely been a fringe NHLer. I, I, I'll be the first to admit that. But it, it moves into a full-on mockery mode, and that's not going to help anybody get out of any slump. And to see him get a goal, I felt good for the guy because there's been so much negativity swirling around that guy all season long. He's been god-awful, Steve. Don't sugarcoat it. He's been absolutely horrible. Regardless of his contract, regardless of his minutes, put everything else aside and just watch him play. He's been god-awful, and that needs to change. If if a fluky goal like that is what it takes to make a change, then okay, let's see it. If playing more minutes with Shabbat last night is what it takes, then okay, let's see it. But something's got to change there because he has been god-awful. Yeah, because he's miscast. He's you know, like so many guys in the past have been miscast. He has no business playing in the top four in the NHL, period. And I, I still believe if you give him a 5-6 rule, which is what he belongs, I don't think he would be god-awful. But I think that uh, my, my point, my bigger point there was feeling good for the guy who's got to feel absolutely, like he's had the ki- crap kicked out of him um, from just the the negativity uh, from everybody. Like like way over there. Like just <laughs> yeah. like, 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 like as old people are offended by him. It's like, who wants Nikita Zaitsev to succeed more than Nikita Zaitsev? He's not throwing grenades on himself intentionally, but it's been that kind of year for him. Anyway, I felt good about it. A couple of other notes I wanted to get to. The Cape Breton Eagles. I was. When did the Cape Breton Eagles stop being the screaming Eagles, by the way? I, 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 I like that they ever oh. were. Oh, yeah, for sure they were. They were always sure. the screaming Eagles. Oh, yeah. Okay, if you say so. Yeah, but they're just now the Eagles, and I don't like it. I want the screaming Eagles back. I want them to be screaming. I have no interest in non-screaming eagles. Anyway, they were tweeting out last night at the Senators, hey, any chance you can put our boys together? Sokolov, Batherson, and Shaw, also all former uh, screaming eagles. They were screaming eagles. None of them were just eagles. And uh, can they can you put them together on a line? And more to the, more to the point, uh, can you get us a photo? And they send obliged with a pregame photo of the three. Um, I don't know. Imagine there's been too many opportunities for three Cape Breton Eagles to be playing on the, on the very same night for the same team. No, it's pretty cool. And, and the picture was cool. And the, uh, the mother was there, the, uh, sorry, the, the, uh, the billet mom, billet, billet mom was there. And of course, Batherson lived in there, I believe at the same time with Sokolov. Um, and, and that's the story from earlier. We discussed this in an earlier podcast, how, um, Sokolov couldn't speak a word of English. And you, you listen to the kids speak now. It, like, it's very, very impressive. Holy smokes. Yeah. He was interviewed on TSN during the game last night. Again, it was his NHL debut. And it's even better than the last time I heard it. Like, he's clearly working on it like crazy. And yeah, you're right. He credits Drake Batherson for a lot of that. And uh, it's like last night, listening to that interview, I, I could barely detect the Russian accent any longer. But uh, certainly a neat moment for the kid, no question. Um, On Matt Murray, you mentioned him earlier. I thought he had a a pretty good game overall, but he still has shaky moments. There's still those moments where I go, you're absolutely right with what you said. He had a a, a very good night. But it just, this is moments where where the trapper is involved and and pucks that usually would get corralled is is just a fighting of the puck scenario that just never seems to go away. Like for a $6 million a year goalie, it just still seems so scrambly, even in a night where his, his performance is perceived as good by most. Yeah, I, you're right. I, I can't quite put the nail on the head. I, I, 
his equipment looks huge. Every time I see him, I'm like, wow, he's big. Like I never thought he was that big. And it's, and I still say it every time I see him. So I, I, I'm wondering if, does he have bigger equipment than he used to have when he was in Pittsburgh? Obviously we didn't watch him play every night in Pittsburgh, but he just, he looks bigger. His chest protector looks humongous. And I just think that he moves funny. Is it because this stuff is so big? What do I know? What, what do we know about goaltending, right, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Philip Gustafson is up from the minors again, and uh, not because he's earned his way back or anything like that. They just needed him uh, because Anton Forsberg, he's not on the COVID list, but he's sick. I find that interesting that with so many guys dealing with COVID right now, he's just sick. Thursday night, they'll be taking on the L.A. Kings, and uh, I don't know what to think about the L.A. Kings. They've had a pretty decent start. I think about the Sens in the state in the status they are, and that is only having more points than the Arizona Coyotes right now. Meanwhile, you have teams like Detroit and Buffalo and LA that were so recently horrible that are well ahead of the Sens right now. And maybe Tim Stutzler uses that as an opportunity to get his first goal. The team that bypassed him in the NHL draft. Ooh, yeah, and then it, like Detroit beat, uh, uh, damn, beat Edmonton last night. You know, LA beat uh, beat Toronto, Montreal. Like, wow, these teams are doing things that we expected our team to be doing. Right? They're they're out their there, rebuilds you know. are over. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're surprising people. And like Philip Deneau score is scoring goals again. Where, mm-hmm. where did that come from? Like that line the other night, Deneau, Iafalo, Athanasiu. So Athanasiu, Iafalo, and Deneau is quite the line lately for the LA Kings. And who would have thought that that would be the line producing the offense for the LA Kings. But that's going to be, take a look at that line when they come in here Thursday night. Well, maybe the sense of a turnaround like LA has uh, undergone because they actually started the year like garbage, one, five and one. And now they've won six straight coming into this game against the Sens. It's a reminder that it's early and things could turn around, but this COVID thing ain't helping anything. It'll be interesting to see if, even the guys who played last night. We know Josh Brown is going to be out. It'll be interesting to see if there's any more guys out. Uh, before we go, yes. we should get to our Dunrobin Distilleries player profile. And today we're going with the kid, Igor Sokolov. Or is it Sokolov? Sokolov? Sok or Sok? We just call him Socks. All right. Our player profile is on Socks. Igor Sokolov was bypassed in not one but two NHL drafts before finally being selected in 2020. Size, scoring, and high character are Igor's calling cards, but too many scouts were concerned about that skating. But finally, as the big 6'4 Russian finished third in Quebec Major Junior Hockey League scoring behind the likes of Alexi Lafreniere, the Senators came calling in the second round a couple of years ago. After a year in Belleville, Sokolov finally made his NHL debut November 9th against the Boston Bruins. Igor Sokolov, our Dunrobin Distilleries player profile. Looking for gift ideas this holiday season? Check out the beautiful gift packages at Dunrobin Distilleries. Mix and match with the Pioneer gift boxes. Or go all in with the Explorer. It has everything, including Dunrobin's Earl Grey gin, artisanal gin, vodka and whiskey, along with their world-renowned Glencairn whiskey glasses imported from Scotland. Dunrobin also has nice little samplers which make great stocking stuffers. Don't forget their virtual tastings to make your online holiday party complete. DunrobinDistilleries.com available at the LCBO. 
Can I pour you a glass as we go? I want one of those. What was that thing called again with everything in it? I want the round the world one. That sounds good. That's the Explorer. Oh, yeah. I need one of those. There you go. I'll have to give those out for Christmas this year. All right. Let's toast. I mean, it's early. It's it's a little early for holiday toasts, but we started the show with a little Christmas parody song, so we're off and running. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your day. Thank you for being with us here on the Sens Nation podcast. Our website is sensnationhockey.com. All kinds of cool articles. Uh, I see the latest one is just about to go up right now. It'll be up by the time this airs. And uh, it's from, let's see here, one of our writers. I'll get to this in a second. Kyle Skinner gives us the Ottawa Senators' top five defensive core of all time. Who's he got at number one? You have to go back to 05, 06. We'll tell you who they are uh, in uh, in that article at sensnationhockey.com. Any final parting thoughts, Greg? The snow has arrived. It's snowing here, and we and we drive to BC Thursday. Oh, grand. Yeah. <laughs> grand. Hit the mountains with snow. And, well, yeah. good luck and uh, safe travels, Thanks. and Thanks, we'll buddy. talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. For sure. Thanks. Talk to you. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at sensnationhockey.com.